Yeah, nice. <laughs> part wasn't that I pressed the wrong pad. It's that I didn't even realize I had pressed the wrong pad until know, way like, too late. I'm literally just going like, yeah, nice job, asshole. And like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> we're starting. We're starting on the wrong podcast now. OK, yeah, I mean, yeah. is it really is it really a rock of shame podcast without Bryce making some kind of fucking technical mistake? Incredibly boneheaded, <laughs> stupid mistake. No, it's I not. Mean, it's going to kind of start to wind up being the tradition. We'll make a compilation right. on YouTube at some point of all the times this Bryce is, is fucked up. This is the uh, the benefit of working with a, a, a polished, tenured podcast professional like myself, uh, is that you get all these uh, wonderful, terrible mistakes. Congratulations, you've found volume one. Volume two? Fuck, there it is. See, I didn't even change the copy. The rough... The rock, <laughs> of, the, of the Rock of Shame podcast, the roughest, toughest, newest musical podcast in the universe i am your host the bad boy bryce reed i am joined by the evil genius greg plord i am the best greg and y'all best know it <laughs> and the stream daddy drew peak what's up chat <laughs> poggers if you're uh, new to the show, uh, let me give you the good news. Each week, three hunky dudes and sometimes guests. I think we're going to have a guest soon. I don't know. Uh, select a musical artist uh, or group that we've never really listened to. We spend the whole week immersing ourselves in the art and culture and world of that artist, only to return the following week and tell you all about it. You listen along with us, and, and soon we will find ways to incorporate the folks at home to be a part of the action a little bit more. That stuff is coming soon. This week, the artist, as you can no doubt tell by the uh, title and description of the episode, is the uh, legendary, the mighty Guar, uh, who we spent the whole week with. Uh, and we're going to talk about the results. Uh, a, a lofty uh, selection for the second episode of this podcast and one that I think really is going to stretch the sort of ideas on display here in this show, um, which is good in contrast to last week, which was fairly straight laced and kind of just about records and stuff. This is about something more, it feels like. Uh, if you want to help uh, help us grow and support the show, there's only one way, and that's to let the world know. Share us on Facebook. Tell your friends. Tweet us at Rock of Shame on Twitter. Uh, or you can watch the show recorded live every Wednesday night over on twitch.tv slash thickboydrewski. Tuesday. Uh, did I say Wednesday? Yeah. This is going to be fun, this edit. I'm going to be up all night, baby. Uh <laughs> Uh, but most Good importantly, times. for now, just subscribe on any podcast platform that you like. Listen along with us every week. That's the big thing. Hey, if you're on iTunes or whatever, uh, rate and review and do all that stuff. That helps us too. Um, but, but but most importantly, just uh, you know, listen to the show. Tell your friends. It'll be cool. Uh, we're going to have a good party here every week. Uh, before we get going, we should talk briefly about uh, the loss of DMX. 
um, a uh, who who uh, we lost this week due to uh, overdose. Correct? Is that what happened? Um, I, I believe that was. Uh, the I don't know how he died. I don't know how he died, but it's it's definitely unfortunate. It's lit the internet up in a big way because. Uh, he leaves behind a fairly complicated legacy uh, as a writer. Um, but I think uh, he has a body of work uh, that I think has some really uh, wonderful material in it and some material that, looking back, is a little uh, tough. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a sort of a complex uh, catalog for kind of a complex figure, really. Yeah. And yeah. while I can't agree with everything that he's said and done in the grand scheme of things you can't deny the legacy that he has left and the influence that he's had on damn near everybody in the hardcore rap scene so yeah i have a vivid dmx memory of us being in a car heading to a show somewhere uh it was me and drew in the front Sh- sean and mike in the back and we were we put on where the hood at which is a banger uh Starts playing through. We're all, yeah, 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 DMX, making dog noises and stuff, you know? Arr, arr. And, then that first <laughs> verse really kicks in. And you're and listening the, to it and going, oh, wait. The first, the first verse kicks in, and it was like a movie. It was like where we all just like slowly like kind of stop nodding our heads uh, as he's getting but just like in- increasingly homophobic <laughs> throughout the whole thing and then at the end uh, there's a, there was a silence from all of us and then Mike said wow that guy really doesn't like gay people <laughs> yeah he D- DMX for all of his like super like hardcore gangster stuff he was also very religious so that sure. kind of played into it too I don't know and if I the hyper masculine stuff, so it was like a very weird mix. Do you guys ever I don't listen know to the if... song "Slippin'" by DMX? Yeah, that's that's Goose, that's Goose's favorite one out of all of his uh, catalog. Yeah, no, DMX definitely has like a fantastic uh, selection of songs, and he was really able to balance being that really hardcore and tough rapper, but also because of songs like "Slippin'," it was kind of able to bleed that more personal. And more depressing side out, dude. In a, so in a balance much. that worked. Yeah, it's e- like even if there are some like missteps lyrically. I mean, DMX is a pretty straightforward guy. I don't c- go to DMX for punchlines. Yeah, I go not... for him for a straight <laughs> raw fucking energy. If I pay too yeah. close attention to what he says, I might go, uh, maybe not. <laughs> hey, but that's that's part of that's part of rap. That's part of music. It's just like you can disagree with some of their stances, like, but. It's it's their music that they're making, so it's just kind of like you kind of have yeah. to just take it at and, face and value. And he's had a complicated uh, past with drugs before, so I mean, I mean, for the fact that that was how he went out was pretty sad because it it seemed like he was on the road to recovering. I actually saw an article from like Bangor Daily News from like 2018 where he actually came to Maine and like bought kids fucking shoes, which is pretty dope. He's always, I think he's always kind of been a cool guy like that. Like, he's from New York, and he's like, I think, right? He's from New York? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, he's just kind of, like, a real street guy. Like, you know what I mean? And, like, I think, like, he has experienced so much struggle in his own life. It's, like, it's natural to want to give back to, like, that level of, like, lowness that some people are experiencing, I feel. 
Like, yeah. I feel like when you've seen hell, it's a lot easier to empathize with other people who are going through it. Yeah. So, uh, I I yeah. also yeah. So R.I.P. D.M.X. R.I.P. Uh, man. I think uh, all, do- all dogs go to heaven, man. All dogs go to heaven. Boo. And he was boo. and he was a dog. <laughs> uh, I I also boo. wanted to uh say R.I.P. to my buddy Gabe. Uh, from the Runouts, the drummer for a band called the Runouts. Wait, what? I didn't know he died. Yeah, Holy shit. Yeah, he passed away, oh, and uh, which is heartbreaking. They're one of uh, one of my favorite uh, underground Boston punk bands and uh, uh, close friends of mine. Uh, go and uh, check them out. They're at uh, Bandcamp at the Runouts, I believe. Um, Great Boston punk. They're on Spotify and stuff like that too. Um, great Boston punk, trans representation, um, and uh, just a great group of guys. And uh, I, it was really hard for me when it happened, both because I knew Gabe personally and because I, the, the loss, trying to imagine the loss that I would feel. You know, a band member is like a brother. Like a like somebody that you're that close with, you know, and so to imagine uh, a loss like that uh, of one of the people that I work with in Sonic Libido would be uh, is unfathomable to me. <laughs> and I didn't I was really at a loss for words. I was like, I feel like we should say something. And I put something out on Facebook. But uh, I was like, I don't even know what you could say, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's rough, rough. So, uh, R.I.P. to Gabe and uh, uh, condolences to the runouts. Yeah, we love you guys. But uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite bands that we played with too. Like, I yeah, that's, that's a that's a Salem, Massachusetts show that I will always remember. Is there any new music anyone wants to talk about before we head into the main show, Greg? Yes, there okay. are two albums in particular. Uh, Brockhampton's new one, uh, new. The New Light, New Machine, uh, Roadrunner, New Light, New Machine. A fantastic mm-hmm. record. I think it's probably Brockhampton's best since their Saturation Trilogy, for those who aren't aware of Brockhampton. Uh, they're kind of an alternative hip-hop boy band group uh, from the West Coast, and this album is just loaded with bangers, but also some of their most emotionally mature uh, stuff to date. So I... It it struck a balance that I think their last two records didn't quite have, so this one is definitely making my year-end best. And another metal record that was released this year called uh, Horn Doll, uh, Lake Drinker, are kind of a uh, sludgier metal band from Sweden, and they they have a little bit of mix of thrash and death. So it's, I would say that's kind of like a more simplistic Gojira or Mastodon in a way. Like it's very sludgy, very heavy, straightforward. But it has like this atmosphere to it also that just really just drags you in. So yeah, the new Brockhampton, new Horndall records, uh, give those a shot. They're excellent. Heavy week for you, huh? Yeah, that that plus plus Guar, you know, like Jesus, Bryce. A, a little bit of a contrast, but yeah. <laughs> Brockhampton and metal is a very very fucking polar contrast, and I appreciate that. Your taste. Oh, is you should. That you should diverse. see like my favorite albums of the year so far. It's insane. <laughs> like the diverse, the range. <laughs> uh, Drew, you said my name, and then 
you didn't follow it with anything. Bryce, what kind of what kind of new shit have you listened to? I'm sure it's shit, but what have you been listening to? <laughs> I I listened to Guar all week. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I don't listen to anything. New. People people should un people should understand this part is in the show. In the event that I do listen to new stuff. But I'm there are probably going to be many weeks that go by that I don't have a contribution to this part of the show. And that I'm I've come to terms with that. Uh and and will have mainly listened to Guar, which I listened to I I think I listened to Guar basically all week. Um so Drew, right. what about you? I um <laughs> I've got nothing new as far as like the very popular music goes, like stuff that everyone knows about. But I will tell you guys right now, um, if uh, house music, techno, things like that is up your alley, I've got a couple of local artists that I am friends with that have both uh, put out some tracks this week. One's on pre-save right now, so you can pre-save it before it's dropped on Spotify from my friend DJ Meech. Uh, it's a remix. Uh, the track is called Temperature, and it's an interesting take with a Jersey Club uh, vibe to it. Um, a little bit of some house elements and stuff, but man, I listened to it. Um, I got to hear it before it went out, and it's, I mean, it'll get the booty shaking. And um, like the other uh, person who put some stuff out is my buddy Max Dansky, who... Uh, came out with a little uh, two-track release off of Therefore Records. Um, and I will probably butcher the um, title of it. But let me just pull that up really fast because, man, it is... Uh, it, it, so basically, they're... Um, I guess you would maybe say they're like melodic, house, maybe techno. Um, needless to say, like, I was just talking with them. I just was listening to it, actually, before I hopped on the podcast with everybody. Okay, so the, the release is called Thies, T-H-I-E with an accent mark, Grav, and then an S, uh, Thies. It's, but it's easier to probably just look up Max Dansky, D as in dog, A-N-S-K-Y. Um, and the tracks are really beautiful. Like, it's clear he put a lot of effort into it. I know he works a lot with analog synthesizers, too, so it's a lot of really cool synthesis work that he did. And man, like the melodies are, it's very melodic. It's very emotional. A lot of minor progressions and stuff. And like, they're both about like seven minutes and they're just, it's like a journey, man. It's like, if you have like 14 minutes to spare, I mean, listening to those two tracks in a row, like really loud and like a big studio like I have was just like a treat. So, you know, go ahead and listen to the, my two buddies, support your local artists who are grinding and working really hard um yeah and like yeah it's great stuff man so i'm glad that people are still putting shit out even during uh what seems like a, a forever lockdown so good shit from them <laughs> hell yeah um let's move on to the cover story let's talk about our week with guar um how about this i'm gonna shoot to you guys first when it's your turn to speak when i hand you the talking stick um uh, start off by saying what you watched and listened to, um, for reference later. Right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Let's go, Drew first. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they have a lot on the discog. So, 
That was the thing uh, with approaching it this week is that like uh, uh, Run DMC stopped in like 2003 or whatever it was. Like that's when the last record was. This has been uh, a much larger and longer catalog to tackle this week. So I would be surprised if any of us like finished the discog although maybe somebody did but i mean if you even got halfway through i'm impressed um <laughs> like i mean i just have so much shit going on this week but i definitely did li- like do some really hard listens um i went through scum dogs of the universe um that's like one of the really popular ones um one of the other ones that was really popular and i listened to it was um the blood of gods which was released in 2017 with like i think pretty i don't think any original members are in that uh album no. Uh, then nope. I listened to the, uh, this toilet earth, mm-hmm. um, and I listened to, uh, blah, 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 blah. I listened to hello, uh, most of hello. I didn't get through all of hello. Um, and I started Ragnarok. But I didn't have time to finish Ragnarok. But I also yeah. spent time watching a lot of their, um, like, movies or, like, long music videos. I don't know what to call it, but <laughs> I watched them and wish I still did drugs because that would have been <laughs> quite the quite the experience. And I also did some research and watched some interviews on Jerry Springer, Joan Rivers. Um, and I also uh, uh, list- watched a short documentary uh, with the lead singer. What's his name again? Uh, uh, David Brocky. Brocky, yeah, 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 with Brocky and like so, uh, the bassist uh, at the time it was uh, Tom something, I think. But yeah, I mean that's that's about that's the dive that I did this week. So I, and I realized yeah. that like, yeah, Guar is much more than the music without saying too much. Um, and we'll yeah. go on to like Greg, I guess, and see what he. Yeah, Greg. Greg, what did you go through? I actually did the opposite. I actually only listened to the albums because I knew that with Guar, a lot of what made them makes them popular is kind of the visual shtick, um, and their videography is just as long, if not longer, than their actual discography. So I wanted to just sort of strip all that back and see if the music itself would hold up. So I actually did listen to every album at least once. Wow. Holy shit. <laughs> Grant, granted, a fair amount of it was uh, while at work through my phone, so I couldn't hear it all the time. But um, I did. I was able to catch most of it. I made a playlist of like my three favorite songs from each record so I could like play those back. and. Pretty much my summary, um, and we'll get more into detail, but summary, while some of the shock humor and just kind of more of a crass type of edgelord humor has not sat with me very well since I'm, I'm not 12 anymore, um, the music itself instrumentally and the vocal performances, I do enjoy quite a lot. <laughs> uh... Yes, I think that I should get through what I listened to before we talk about uh, talk more about this band. You are yeah. absolutely correct. Um, I did five albums this week uh, of their roughly 15 on the catalog, although there's a live I album I think it was there like 14 studio records. I don't know how many yeah. live ones they had. I didn't listen yeah. to those if they do. 
I did the 20th anniversary remix of Scumdogs of the Universe. Uh, I did America Must Be Destroyed and This Toilet Earth. So those first like three like major uh, lineup uh, records. And then yeah. I skipped forward to and did Beyond Hell and Lust in Space um, to get sort of an idea of their sort of later catalog, at least before Brocky's uh, passing. Um and uh outside of that i watched a, i watched two different live sets full live sets on youtube uh because i knew that was an important part of the equation and it's unfortunate that we're producing this show when we are and the idea of like just going to a guard cuz i feel like that's the attraction it's all it almost feels kind of silly to talk about this band purely from an album perspective to me, because it seems almost like reviewing a movie and just talking about the score. Um, but I agree. I, you know, like they're, they're, they're like a, uh, a performance art project more than they are like a band. Like they have a, it, it's very interesting. Uh, yeah. Before we get into what the band is, I'm going to read uh, the overview from Wikipedia. I do this mostly because I think that it helps uh, listeners understand and us understand how the world at large looks at this band before we talk about how we felt about it after a week of actually listening to the music. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Guar, often stylized in all caps as Guar. Uh, it's an American heavy metal band formed in Richmond, Virginia in 1984, composed of and operated by a frequently rotating lineup of musicians, artists, and filmmakers collectively known as Slave Pit Inc. Following the death of frontman and lead singer Dave Brocky in 2014, the group has continued without any of its founding members. Easily identified by their distinctively grotesque costumes, Guar's core thematic and visual concept revolves around an elaborate science fiction-themed mythology which portrays the band as barbaric interplanetary warriors, a narrative which serves as the basis for all of the band's albums, videos, live shows, and other media, rife with over-the-top violent, sexual, and scatological humor, uh, typically incorporating social and political satire, Guar has attracted both acclaim and controversy controversy for its music and stage shows the latter of which notoriously showcase enactments of graphic violence that result in the audience being sprayed with copious amounts of fake blood urine and semen such stagecraft regularly <laughs> leads Coar to be labeled as quote shock rock end quote by the media no shit <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, since its formation, Guar has released 13 studio albums, two live albums, and numerous singles, among other recordings, and has sold over 820,000 records in the United States, fueled largely by the controversy surrounding their concerts. Guar experienced brief mainstream notoriety during the first half of the 1990s receiving regular airplay on MTV as well as frequent in-character guest appearances on daytime talk sat uh, daytime talk shows satirizing the topics of censorship and media violence 
Though the band's mainstream popularity declined by the end of the 1990s, Guar has retained a dedicated cult following. The band's extensive videography consists of both live recordings and long-form feature films, most notably 1992's Phallus in Wonderland, which earned a Grammy Award nomination for Best Long-Form Music Video. Outside of music and video, Guar has expanded its franchise into comic books, trading cards, a board game, signature beers, barbecue sauces, and e-liquids. Barbecue. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which is, I guess, their their festival, their like year, uh, annual festival is barbecue. <laughs> um, man, I uh, I think the big topic to tackle here at the front of the show is the live show thing, which is uh the secret sauce i think i think you know they're one of these bands that follows in the idea of uh kiss uh definitely sort of influence uh marilyn manson had that influence slipknot is one of those bands mm-hmm. ghost now is a pretty popular one of those bands uh the aquabats p lander z guar like like these types of bands yeah you and know bryce I mean? like i love the fact that you say that because uh joan rivers actually described them as a combination of uh kiss uh something else and then like the simpsons i think or something like that and i was just like yeah that kind of makes sense it has like this like crudeness to it makes oh and she said and they all look like the ninja turtles (laughs) honestly they do look like like if mighty morph and power rangers villains were just on a shit ton of drugs yeah oh it's it's very 80s horror uh, it reminds me of like a trauma. Vi- Are you f- trauma? Uh, trauma was a, a tape uh, label in the 90s that would put out movies that were made by students and things like that. Very culty horror films uh, filled with ridiculous uh, silicone special effects. Yeah. Uh, and and their guar is very trauma influenced i mean they're kind of both happening at the same time but the things that influence both of those things are very present uh in guar where you're like oh okay it's like it's like a bad 80s horror movie type thing that they're doing um which is really kind of an interesting thing that they're kind of left alone like uh uh they do it for laughs it's almost like a parody of a Slipknot type thing, although I'd be willing to bet Slipknot came after. Yeah, Guar Slipknot was after. Stuff. Slipknot, uh, like, they didn't break mainstream till about late ni- 98, 99. They did have a record in, like, 95, and that was, I think, before Corey Taylor, or, like, the costumes were really a thing. Like, yeah. Mushroom Head, I think, would be probably the closest comparison, and even them, I think Guar was before, but I, I could be wrong on that. R.I.P. Odorous yeah. Urungus, as Goosey says. Goose, yes, Goose says. yes. Uh... So it's actually kind of interesting as far as examining the albums go. It's kind of like, yeah, that's part of it. But I think the memory that people have of Guar, people who enjoy Guar, is I went to this show and it was the most wildly absurd thing I've ever seen. And I left looking like I just walked out of a uh, like a John Wick scene or something like that. Right. Like just covered in blood everywhere. And uh, and I. I tried to familiarize myself with that as much on YouTube as I could, although uh, it's different when you're not actually the one being sprayed with blood, right? So, um, since you listened to all of the records, Greg, I'd love to know 
how you felt about the progression from the records. Because even with the five I listened to, there was a pretty massive progression, I thought. Yeah, Guar's first record, Hell O, was really much more just like straightforward, hardcore punk with some crass humor, things like that. It was good, but it wasn't anything super special. Once it got to Scum Dogs of the Earth, it was, uh, it got more thrashy, a bit more crossover mm-hmm. thrash oriented sound. And then Amer- America Must Be Destroyed, which is probably my favorite of the Guar records. Um, definitely experimented more with that, a bit of grunge. I could definitely hear some like Alice in Chains style, like vocal harmonies in there that I really liked a lot. But it was also, uh, the bass was much more present too. It added kind of like a weird funk flavor to some of the instrumentals. Um, after that, they definitely did experiment with some odd instruments and mixing on mm. further records. Um, and then the 2000s came and they did go back to a more straightforward thrash sound, but the production made it really heavy. And, and I'm a sucker for thrash metal, that sort of era. So I enjoyed those quite a bit. And my experience, because I, I did want to strip away that visual part, because uh, for one, I knew that you two would definitely talk about it quite a bit. And yeah. I, I'm slightly familiar with the antics of their live shows. I I haven't really watched a ton of clips, but I pretty much kind of knew the gist of it. So I wanted to see Mm -hmm. if the albums themselves stood on their own because they do have such a massive discography Um, because they could easily be one of those bands that's like, oh, hey, we're from the 90s and early 2000s. We're just going to replay the hits with some visual gags. (laughs) Right. And that's not what they do. They switch it up every time in which while some of the humor doesn't land for me, like uh, Beyond Hell, I think was one of the records I didn't like, not because of the instrumentation. I liked actually that, and the production was really heavy, even if the snare, I'm not sure, was trying to parody uh, the St. Anger snare, because the snare was <laughs> absolute ass. But um, there, Let's never talk about al- St. Anger's snare drum ever again. <laughs> oh, it will be brought up. But um, Fuck. The... <laughs> the, uh, the album kind of had a lot of the edgelord humor, that I was kind of trying to avoid. There was a song on there called Ultimate Blowhab, which um, I I can't remember the exact part of the concept of the record, like what character it's supposed to be portraying, but I remember a line specifically about, I won't rape you, that would be gay. And as soon as I heard that line, I like, I just, that like record scratch thing, is just like, like, hold up. Did I just hear that right? And then the rest of the song describes like, like, I wouldn't rape you, but if you have a girl, then it's on. And basically, like, just gang raping her to dust. Like, what the yeah. fuck am I listening to type of thing? But then the rest of the rest of their discography afterward, um, thankfully, doesn't quite do that. And instrumentally is still good. There's a song on Lust in Space that I shouldn't have found it as funny as it did, but Make a Child Cry. So funny. It's just One cruel. of my favorites. It's just cruel for the sake of cruel, and I love it. Like, make a child cry. Cry, child, cry. Make a child die. Die, child, yeah. die. I'm just yeah, like, at, the, at the end where they're repeating just war on children over and over again, the greatest. Uh, yeah, definitely my what I thought was the funniest song. The, the, the early 2000s, late 90s, very 4chan-y, uh, edge lordy humor 
is present throughout their catalog and is something that I uh, I will agree. Ultimate Bohab is is uh, perhaps the most egregious example that I found. Like like I said, as soon as I heard it, it just like record scratch. It's like, uh, hold up, I have to go back. Did I just hear that right? <laughs> and that delivery just that would be gay. Like oh god. This- <laughs> Like, this is truly like an MTV type of thing from that era. <laughs> super, super. They speak about violence and and uh, rape and murder and wild things like that consistently throughout their catalog. I think it's saved to some extent by the fact that they're playing characters who are uh, intergalactic warlords. Yeah, like the intention of the band is to be the most egregious beings in existence. That's pretty much their whole thing. Yeah, they're they're basically like the heavy metal heel, you know, like yeah, it's like a it's like a bad guy professional wrestler thing, but way more rated R than WWE would be. Oh no shit. <laughs> the whole album of uh America Must Be Destroyed was literally in re- granted the concept's a little bit weird, but was originally inspired because in like 1990 or 91 there was a show from Guar that had him the lead vocalist with a fucking like phallic dick just waving around the stage and I can't remember which state they performed in, but they tried to like shut Guar down and sue them. So literally mm-hmm. the whole album of America must be destroyed was inspired based on his dick. I, okay. So I was messaging some people in uh, Twitch and so goose, uh, she is a little bit older than us and had the mm-hmm. privilege of getting to experience Guar several times live. <laughs> and I was like, if you have a contribution or a story, please like type it out. So this is her. This is one of her highlights of a Guar show. You guys ready? Yes. I saw them yes. play at Copernicus Center slash Gateway Theater in Chicago, and this guy did a stage dive into the seats, and it looked like he broke his back. Uh, he couldn't feel his legs. He said he was paralyzed because of Guar, so he could die happy. The ambulance took him away. <laughs> And the and the band sprayed the paramedics with fake blood. <laughs> oh my god! It is, this that's, is that's absolutely wonderful. This is, this is why I am so excited to talk about Guar as well because of this level of like uh, seriousness and dedication to their characters. That this person mm-hmm. is in a real life situation where he's he could potentially be <laughs> fucked up. And Guar's just like, spray those motherfuckers with blood. We got to keep the show going here. Like, I mean, like the show must go on, you know, like they are just so dedicated to the craft. And as a showman myself, I appreciate the fuck out of that story. Thank you so much, Goose. She said it was awesome. She said it was absolutely awesome. The connection to pro wrestling is the right one to pull with them being heels, right? Because in the way that they are these characters in interviews and they are these characters when they come off the stage, as long as they're wearing the stuff. Right. And they are, uh, uh, not to mention they would actually during their stage shows have wrestling matches between certain characters and stuff like that. Right. So like, that's all kind of weaved in there, which was stuff that I, uh, obviously gravitated towards. They also have a weed strain now too, uh, called buds, buds of God. (laughs) Christ. Uh, uh, this they definitely know how to brand themselves <laughs> absolutely absolutely and so that sort of that the humor issue that you were having was an issue that i had to kind of throughout their records 
And so I tried to kind of focus in on the instrumentation change and the production change. And round about the turn of the century uh, into the 2000s, the production, I think, catches up with them. Uh, mm-hmm. Because before that, I mean, like, you can say the writing got better, too. Because it did, uh, unquestionably. Uh, but uh, I think those those early records really suffer from the production really not being there. And if you change over to the records that they do in the early 2000s, you're like, oh, my God. OK, finally, like. Oh, yeah. T- 2000s and their their 2010s catalog, like the production just sounds fantastic. Like yeah. say what you will, like if the content may not hit and and it seems like with their 2010 stuff. And I think that was the stuff I may have hit on the least. But mm-hmm. I think those ones I did play once and I haven't returned to all of them in full. But they're not quite as the edgelord humor as right. it was before. And the instrumentation uh, is just great. Like, if you're just looking for a really solid, heavy thrash record and don't care as much about the lyrics, even though with Guar you kind of have to focus on them a little bit, I mean, their records still pull it off. Like, in, like they have instrumental p- passages throughout those records, and they are fantastic. Like, yeah. just me listening to it, like, I could thrash to this shit. Mm-hmm. And even their latest record, which has, um, I, I can't remember what the name of the guy was. He was the original Beefcake the Mighty character. Yeah, um, yeah. And now he's the new lead vocalist as a new Viking warlord. Um, and he does really fucking good on this, on the latest record. Yeah, like, his vocals are, the song- yeah, they're, like, very much more kind of metal-esque. Yeah, they're much they're much higher pitch. Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit too. Uh, whenever it's yeah. my well, turn. it was kind of yeah. like the contrast to his character because like Beefcake the Mighty originally was this this big tough like Aristotle looking son of a bitch. Yeah, and as soon as yeah. he sang, he he sounds like he's from ACDC. In which, funny <laughs> enough, they do a cover of ACDC on the last record, so like it fit perfectly. I'm like, oh my god, this actually works far better than it should. <laughs> Is that the if you want blood, you got it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was. I was like, this sounds like ACDC, and I was because it was. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Like because I was worried that was actually a Guar song that they were trying to sound like ACDC on, and I was like, and you're like, yo, what the does... fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then it turns out, oh, because it was an ACDC cover. Okay. <laughs> Working far better than it should is maybe the the main traceable theme right which is something that you kind of hold to every sort of like successful comedy music artist like regardless of who they are i mean i it's the same way that i feel about uh about weird al it's the same way that i feel about uh tenacious d and steel panther and lonely island and all of psycho stick yes uh, as well uh even even zappa right like you don't understand how how uh good that sort of lead-in is until you start listening to his stuff and you're like oh it's like way not only is it way better than i thought it would be musically it's a lot funnier than i like like the the comedy is is pushed a lot further to the forefront than i thought it. and the be. universe is yeah. always really vast on a lot of those as well like they kind of all of those <laughs> all of those bands have something similar in the fact that like the cold following's big and they kind of create their own realm with their music that yeah. that transcends the music itself or even the live show yeah. So like technically every every record of theirs is kind of like a concept record in a way because it's kind of yeah. like on the latest episode of Guar yeah, kind of deal. Sure. And it does tackle a lot of familiar themes that Guar is known for, but sometimes like uh the America must be destroyed has uh has this morality squad that's coming after Guar 
on the right. uh that was about the that was about the dick thing too uh yeah that's why they wrote that whole record <laughs> like because the lead singer ran into trouble with uh, his yeah his fake Rag- ragnarok is about religion like primarily like focused on like satirizing re- religion yeah uh there is a i i can't remember if the album itself is called war party it was released in 2004 and it's literally like guar being the political party for just destroying humanity right type of shit (laughs) (laughs) like like some of those actually worked when they're not like trying too hard if it just like focuses kind of in their same lane but just in a slightly different pivot it works really well even if i can't follow it a hundred percent like America Must Be Destroyed had a song about cracking a dinosaur egg. I don't know where the <laughs> fuck in the plot that goes. So I didn't... It's it's also in Phallus in Wonderland, too, actually. Um, they they have the dinosaur egg also in Phallus of Wonderland. And I, I think, actually, that does lead into the other thing, too, is that... It, and, and like Bryce mentioned earlier, it's kind of like... Uh, like talking about the movie, but only talking about the score. A lot of right. these... And I remember reading this somewhere... Uh, that uh, there would be a lot of skits in the live show that would sort of connect song to song, so it would sort of make more sense conceptually. And I mm-hmm. think that's where it does work, because it does play a lot with their visual stuff in their lore, and when they act it out a bit more live, it translates better than just the album itself, in which, while I say, the albums still musically, I think, stand very much good on their own. Your point about the live shows, about the live shows kind of tying the songs together. Yes and no. I mean, limited sample size, but I watched two of them. And uh, at least for one of them, I don't think Brocky sang any of the lyrics to the songs for the first half of the show. Uh, he was legitimately, and, and without talking shit about it, because I don't know what was going on at the time, he was legitimately just blah, blah, blahing his way through the songs. Uh, reason being, for the most part, they don't matter live, and it's really hard to do a heavy comedy act, um, especially one that's as heavy as Guar is and singing with metal vocals and comedy act because it's already really difficult to tell what the lead singer is saying. And I think it's important to note that he blah, blah, blah his way through the first five or six songs in this set and the audience didn't care because at the time, <laughs> at the time they were holding up a, uh, a body of a woman who had no arms, legs, or head, uh, and they had torn off the skin on the front of her torso, and it was shooting blood out of its titties. Um, so uh, the audience didn't care that he was like, blah, 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 through the songs. Like, literally, the only people who would have known, which is the funny part, is that this was a TV broadcast show. So, like, he knew this was going out on TV. It just wasn't getting the words correct at all for whatever reason, uh, which was kind of amazing. I love that, actually. Um, <laughs> Uh, it was it was uh, really, uh, really funny. But uh, I, the point I'm trying to make is that I think the lyrics matter on the records and matter for making sense of the records. And I think during the live shows, it's like the least important thing out of like the four elements out of there, the banter, the special effects, the music, and then 
the lyrics. That's fair. Uh, I, I thought I bottom. read somewhere. I think it was maybe it was the Beyond Hell record. I think mm-hmm. that specific era they did have kind of like skits between each song to sort of make it work. But I, I don't know. Sure. If, again, I did kind of try to force myself away from looking at the live shows too much, and I focused more on the studio stuff. So I could be mm-hmm. completely wrong on that. I mean, which is why yeah. we have you two to correct me. All right, listen. So, can we talk about Brokey for a second? Brocky, Brokey, Odorous, Orongus, whatever you want to call him. Um, yes, sure. Okay. So, I listened to just one of the newer performances with that newer singer, and I thought it was great. I thought it was much more clean and like more kind of mm-hmm. like metal esque. Um, but man, is that guy got like such a great attitude that the fact that like i didn't know that about that like mumbly metal thing that he did in that one set that you're talking about but like knowing that and like hearing their music and like also watching an interview with them and stuff it makes so much sense that he did that because it's just like he literally everything about him is just about like being funny and just like having a blast about this whole thing you know like and it's just like he even said it's like I I just do this because it's fun. Like it's right. art. He's like it's art, man. Like it's all just like fun that we could just create this world. Like you could make a drawing and that's that's Guar, you know. Like and mm-hmm. and he's just like so like uh, abstract about the whole thing um, that it just makes so much sense that he was just like I'm just gonna grumble and like because like he said the whole. I mean, do you guys know the story? I'm sure you read it in like maybe a little bit further into the Wikipedia about it, but like. The way they made the band is it was like some band called like something piggy or something like that. Originally, it was like a punk band. And then they had this little kind of like jokey thing they did before it where they dress up in these costumes that were supposed to be for the uh, scum dogs of the universe movie that they were trying to make at one point. And they were just <laughs> doing this character thing where they would just come out and they would play the instruments and just go. and then they would play their show with their band afterwards um which was that piggy band or whatever but people were coming to see like the grass stuff and they were like let's just be a band like this with the music that we play in the piggy band or whatever and that's kind of how it's sort of piggy x yeah uh so uh they're like let's just start a band with that and so they're like but let's just like it's hard to put on a t-shirt so we'll just call it Guar. And, <laughs> right. and so, like, the fact that, like, you know, these characters, oh, it's Death Piggy. Death Piggy is the name of the band. So um, yeah, yeah. that's what it goes to saying. So the fact that, like, that's the characters that they created to just be these, like, big meathead monster people. And the fact that he's like, blah, 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 and doing that thing live, just like, it's just like, he's he's just trying to, like, bring across this really primitive, like, dumb bad guy who's just ignorant and just like a big douchey meathead monster as a character and it's just so fucking funny and awesome and fun as a performer though like going through the records also like he has such an animated delivery not just type of thing because i mean he clearly does that but he he can do some high stuff he can do some normal stuff he can do it kind of reminds me a little bit of like uh What's his name? Uh, Mike Patton from uh, sure. Faith No More in the way that yeah. he does like this anime thing, not to like such a diverse and insane range as Mike Patton, but he does like this very weird animated way of approaching his vocal style that reminds me a little bit of it's that. It's super unique. 
I, I just love his character. You know, it feels like that's Guar is like his voice, yeah. you know, because he's yeah. just it's like, not just him singing on the record either. They're like Beefcake the Mighty and a few others were singing, but like him as the lead himself was you listen to him and it's just like, holy shit, he's pulling this off. Yeah, he just sounds like the bad guy, but like also yeah. vocally quite talented for how like funny some of it is, you know. For as an off the wall band as it was, they have to have an equally off the wall vocalist, and he just fucking played the part perfect. Yeah, it sounds stupid to say, but I think his greatest trait as a vocal performer in this act is uh, he's not afraid to let the songs be kind of silly um, in a way that still seems unintentional by the character. Like the character isn't trying to be silly, but it's silly enough in, just in the way he delivers it that it it makes the lines funnier. Like in a song like Sexecutioner. That is Goose's favorite track. Scum Dogs of the Universe. Uh, there's a point at that song where he in that song where he just starts making spoken word sex puns uh, in a silly voice. And I, I think maybe a lesser comedian would be like, that's too stupid or whatever. Uh, they put themselves in a really interesting place uh, where they could kind of do whatever they wanted. And it didn't matter. Like their fan base was kind of along for the ride uh with them and uh you know classifying it as an art project more than a band or like brocky said i'm i just do i just do stuff for fun because i can afford to do it because the band makes a little bit of money so we just do stuff and as long as it's kind of roughly working with these characters yeah like i think people are going to come along with it so yeah and like the mythos behind it is fairly vague intentionally so that way They can add and remove members because they can kind of create it as it goes in a way. That's also something that he mentioned too, which is kind of sad because like you didn't, I'm sure he wasn't thinking necessarily like I'm probably going to die and this will continue on without me when he said it, but it kind of, and that was the intention too, because it did, you know, he actually on several occasions in several different interviews had said this band will always be here even when I'm gone. Oh, that's actually really cool then. Which is why they continued with a new singer and intentionally went to find somebody who had already been in the band previously. Yeah. uh, Is because they wanted wanted to honor that vision from Dave. Yeah. Um, Which I think is great. Uh, He wanted it to be that. He wanted it to be something where it's like the Globetrotters or something like that. There just always is a version of Guar that you can go and see that kind of works to the vision that they were creating. Yeah. Um, even if it's not the same people, like, like, uh, the Wikipedia even says, it's not the original, none of them are original anymore. They're all sort of legacy players. It's like a Broadway revival or something like that. You know, like it's completely divorced from the original creators, but, it's a pretty uni- easy universe to create in and more or less it's pretty obvious to tell like what's going to work for these characters and what's not. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it's really great how um, it can transcend like that. So um, I'm honestly going to have to say that um, I really enjoyed Guar. Like all the edgelord, obviously stuff that like is, you know, not things I agree with music standpoint. I really enjoyed it. I'll probably listen to Quar again mm-hmm. and dive deeper because there's some shit on there that fucking slaps, in my opinion. Like, I really liked uh, 
I like the Scum Dog Universe album um a lot. Like I really liked that album. Like it definitely makes sense why that one slapped as hard as it did. It's just um you know what it is? It's that I I like stupid shit. And um <laughs> like I was thinking to myself like how much this reminds me of like as if like uh Beavis or Butthead like grew up and was like, I'm gonna sing in a rock band. <laughs> and like basically did that but like if if like but like that's the character uh but like they're the people behind it are like a lot more intelligent than that obviously uh to create something like this um it's way wittier than that even though it's so stupid it's also really witty and like well thought out and um yeah i don't know man it's just fucking it's i i really enjoyed this and i was like man like i really wish i had started learning about guar sooner because like I um I don't know I think I mentioned this last week but I was at some other show we were at the Palladium in Worcester Mass and um we looked outside and in big letters upcoming show one of them was Guar and I was like to my friend I was like you want to go see Guar and my friend was laughing he's like yo that'd be fucking hilarious and then we didn't do it and I like if I had actually listened to some of their catalog I probably would have made a much bigger effort to go see them because holy shit like. These guys are absolutely out of their fucking skulls, like, and it's so funny to like watch it, like, as immature as it is, like, there's definitely like it's shock rock, you know, it's like, right, whatever, you know what I mean? It's theater. It's literally just like you're going to see characters being played, and but are also strangely very talented musicians. (laughs) Like the instrumentation was like actually super fucking good. I was just like, wait, what? Yeah, going through their discography, I was not expecting it to be like as technically proficient as it was. And this, the more and more I kept going through, I'm like, oh my god, I actually like this fucking thing. <laughs> I know, dude. It was kind of crazy from like a musician standpoint. I was like, what the fuck? Like, wait, did they just like? I I think like there was a couple of tracks in like Scum Dogs of the Universe. I had to rewind. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, that was crazy. There's like also like, they're uh, funny and they're competent. That can't be right. <laughs> The um the one with the bagpipes on it. Was that Scum Dogs of the Universe? I'm not um, sure that was Scum Dogs, that might have been Toilet Earth. I I know Toilet maybe. Earth had like some like horns and stuff on the intro. No, that was that was horns for sure. Yeah, but uh, there's one with um on. I think it's Scum Dogs of the Universe, I'm pretty sure. Let me just double check. Actually, yeah, that. I think it was Scum Dogs that did have it. I think it, it was it, toward it like has... the end of the record. I can't remember what track it was though. I got it. Wait, do I? No, I don't. Wait, it wasn't that one. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> um, hold on. Like, I gotta go back a bit, but yeah. I'll you guys say this talk. while Drew is looking for that. I would happily go see a Guar show with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Horror of Yig. Yeah. Horror, Horror of Yig is the That's track That's the Scum one, Dogs. yeah. Yep, that was Scum Dogs. Dogs of the Universe. So, I love it because I hate bagpipes. Like, <laughs> a lot. Like... So it's I'm assuming part of, Dropkick Murphys is not your thing. Correct. Like, it, it, like I like Dropkick Murphys, but any of the ones that have bagpipes in them, I fast forward past the bagpipes. Like, I, I just hate bagpipes. Like, so I ninety percent of their catalog. I, I mean, yes. Like, you know, like I definitely skip through some of it. Like, when the band starts up, it's fine to hear bagpipes, but on their own, it's a jarring sound to me. I fucking hate the sound of bagpipes. Like, I, I don't know why. Like at one point there was a girl that uh wanted to, wanted to like hook up with me 
And but she was like this really weird hipster. And I was at her place and she had a bunch of vinyls and she was like, Do you want to hear this like record of bagpipes? And I was like, What? And she just puts it on without saying anything and goes, I'll be right back. And like went into the back room. I don't know what to do, but like once the bagpipes came on, I was like, I don't care if we're having sex or not, I have to leave. Um <laughs> like I can't be here. Drew uh Drew tells this story making it sound uh like she had no motive, but doesn't think about the possibility that maybe she put the record on so I would leave, yeah, possibly. Except for the fact that like <laughs> I had just gotten there and I hadn't really even said anything yet. She already wanted you to go. <laughs> Like how what is the best way to make this dude's dick soft? Put on some bagpipes. Goose is actually surprised at the fact that I don't like bagpipes. Either way, uh, look, it's not that I don't like. I don't like bagpipes, but what I'm trying to say is that like, it's not because of like you know, like the player or like the melodies and stuff. The sound itself, like, it's just like I've heard it in real life. And I don't like its tone. It's just like, it's just kind of like, it feels like a little out of tune, especially when it's played with other music. You can hear it even more when it kind of like drops a little out or goes a little sharp. And it just bothers the shit out of me because it's not like a happy uh, dissonance. It's kind of like a, uh, like it's it unsubscribes, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. I don't know. Maybe it's just like. I have like a really weird thing about pitch and stuff when like when things are slightly off it really like it, it like uh, it on fucks. a production end I can definitely see why bagpipes would kind of be of a thing because their tone is definitely definitely up there like sharp but the way that it hits that sharp is also very weird and how it mixes with other instruments yes. like you almost have to be almost completely acoustic and Celtic for it to kind of not feel like it's shoehorned in. Not to turn the entire show into a debate about uh, the merits of bagpipes, uh, but it's probably just that the entire instrument's voicing is based on sliding pitch. Yes. Rather than uh, staying in one place and playing the note. It's about sort of painting around it in these sort of big circles. Yeah. Um, which can bother you if you're a certain type of person. But I understand that because there are... There are there are definitely going to be episodes of this show where we lay down with an artist and I am like, what this artist does does not appeal to me in any way. Uh, and uh, this was not the case with Guar. It's not really the case with bagpipes, but I'm sure that we will find yeah, those. I, I will um, try and settle this debate right now and just say that as much as I have a distaste for that tone, um, mm -hmm. uh, when it's used in that song by Guar, it was like the first time I've heard it implemented in a rock song, not like the Dropkick Murphys or whatever other band uses them, um, that I was right. like, oh, this actually, it's like they used some weird like synth or something that like pitched in with it kind of like fading out that like was like kind of trippy in my brain. And I was just like, wow, that's really cool how they did that. And like, it made me kind of like its sound like more than I normally do which is not at all <laughs> um so like i was really impressed with that this went from an f to a b plus it really did though it wasn't like an a for sure but like b plus for sure like it was like oh man like the way they used a bagpipe in the song was actually really sick um b for bagpipes like like don't get me wrong okay so like i think what it really just comes down to is like it has the ability to 
kind of play more like quarter tony type stuff like as if it was an eastern music theory sort of thing but it is incredibly western and that's what bothers me because i feel like western music theory has to be half tones and the moment you stray into quarter tones in a westernized style of music that level of dissonance like it just does not click with my brain like i can handle dissonance in jazz music because it makes sense in a theoretical sort of way but with quarter tones i'm like yo stop like <laughs> like give me like give me something from eastern asia and it has quarter tones in it i can tolerate that easily like but the bagpipe is just so um chaotic in its tones that it really it, it challenges me to be able to listen to it comfortably is what i'm saying like i like where this conversation went yeah all right <laughs> anyways we got really technical there but I, that settles it there it's a preference thing for me. It doesn't do it for me. I'm not saying fuck bagpipes or anything like that. If you're a bagpipe player, uh, you you must have great lungs and you have a strong arm. And I appreciate you. Please don't hit me with that really strong bagpipe arm you got, please. Okay. So in summary, Drew hates bagpipes and he hates you if you like <laughs> it's, them. That's gonna be a clip. It's gonna be a clip of like Bryce saying Drew hates bagpipes, <laughs> and people will make a huge change.org thing about. Make Drew like bagpipes, and lots of money will be made to try and convince yeah. me to like bagpipes. Make Drew, don't make Drew like bagpipes. Force <laughs> Drew to listen to Goose, bagpipes. You said, said you clearly said fuck bagpipes. Now I'm gonna have a clip of just me going fuck bagpipes, Bryce. It clearly Drew just doesn't like bagpipes. Okay, and like <laughs> someone's gonna just really doctor and edit, and it just make like this like smear campaign. You thought that Drew was a great musical guy, but did you know that he hates bagpipes? The screen goes black and white, and it just shows my face in a really embarrassing pose. <laughs> we will never just, be able to attend a Flogging Molly concert ever again. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if that's controversial, your hatred of bagpipes. How many slaps, Greg? I will Guar. give. Keep in mind, keep in mind, last week we gave Run DMC 13 out of 15 slaps. I say with Guar. Only because the humor doesn't 100% click with me all the time, I would have to go four out of five slaps, but a very still high recommendation, four out of five slaps. Drew, how many slaps? Um, With Guar, I'm going to say... So, it wasn't life-changing for me, but... It was really awesome. Like, it mm -hmm. wasn't one of those things where it was like, oh, man, like, where have you been all my life? It was kind of like, this is really fun. Where have you been all my life? But it's it, like, if that makes sense, like, uh, let me explain that better. Um, Like, sometimes I'll discover an artist that I'm just like, holy shit. Like, and it kind of changes my life sort of in a way. And Guar definitely has yeah. changed my life a bit. Uh. But, like, <laughs> in the kind of the humorous way, um, it's a little bit harder to take them seriously. I mean, their musicianship is incredible, but there weren't any songs that were, like, that were just, like, that stood out in a way that it was just, like, this is an anthem for me. And, like, I need an artist right. to have at least, like, three or five songs in their catalog that are, like, that level of jam um, for me. Like, it has to have a few in there that I'm just, like, oh, man, like, I could listen to this, like, 50 times, this one particular song. And for them, there was, like, maybe, like, one song or two that I was, like, I could definitely listen to this song again. Uh, again. But 
that being said, I really love their shit um, a lot. And I definitely want to dive further because maybe I'll find those anthems. Who knows? Like, because sure. uh, like, there, what was that one song? There was, So the one that really stood out is like their classic one that like really got a lot of like play. Um, and unfortunately, I'm forgetting the name of it right now. I'm trying to look. So Sick of You and Saddam Go-Go were the two that I was like, these are badass. Like, I love these songs. Like, they're definitely really cool. They, they're good sing-alongy kind of vibes. And it, it gives me that good hook, you know, that I need as a musical guy. So that being said, I'm going four out of five slaps with Gore. Uh, it's surprisingly higher than fucking Run DMC for me, which I guess goes back to my, like, love for rock and roll and being a rock artist uh in some ways you know and like which is weird because i also really love rap like a shitload Mm. and there's i think probably if i were to look back there's definitely more five out of five slaps in my past with rap albums over rock albums probably for me um but yeah i think guar is i'm feeling it a little more than i did run dmc (laughs) goose is really unsatisfied with my result (laughs) She's saying we need to have a talk. We'll talk. We'll talk, Goose. But my, (laughs) my, uh, so I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you, except that I think I'm going to be the slight dissent of opinion here. Explain. (laughs) I I think you are right where I think my biggest problem with this band is I don't, I don't, and now, Incomplete sampling. Like I said, I listened to one third of what's available on Spotify this week um, and didn't push into doing more than that for a number of reasons. But um, within those albums, which were the most uh, notable albums by them that everybody seemed to like, uh, I didn't really find any songs that I was like, I need to save this so that I can listen to it in different places on playlists or whatever. That just wasn't, there were songs that I was like, I like this more than the other songs on this album, but I didn't really happen upon a song personally where I was like, I'm going to come back and listen to this fucking Guara song, dude, personally. that And that's all preference as is the entire show. Hello. Welcome. Uh, Rock of Shame podcast. How are you? Um, so for me, uh, with the stars being one being bad, two being okay, three being good, four being great, and <laughs> five being incredible, right? Uh, I think they're like a three for me. Um, where I think they're good, I liked a lot of what happened in their act, uh, but I, I'm not, uh, th- this week I returned to several run DMC songs. It was like, this is fucking great. <laughs> this is great. Uh, but I, I don't imagine that I will do that with Guar. I had sort of a fun week with them and I didn't, I surprisingly liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to like it mostly because the whole heavy metal thing, I don't get into big time. They're kind of like a heavy metal parody group. I think it was interesting. One thing I wanted to bring up but didn't mention is I watched an interview with the original um, guitarist from the band who I think has been playing guitar with them for like ever. Um, And he said, when we first started out, we weren't really 
none of us like really listened to metal. Like we chose metal because it made sense for these characters that they would be metal guys. Uh, but they're like, but we were all like punk and uh, hardcore and, and uh, alternative rock guys at that time. Like that was what we were doing. And you hear that in their metal too. You yeah. hear that. Like, like they were like, it was pretty easy for us to figure out metal. It's not that fucking hard to play, which was like the greatest quote. Uh, <laughs> but he was like, but like we weren't, you know, we weren't like listening to Slayer. He was like, we were avoiding straight up listening to actual metal bands. And they were like, which is bizarre because we were, we understood that we were trying to make a parody of something. We should have been listening to it. Uh, but you hear it in those early records where they're kind of more a hardcore band uh, in a lot Way of ways. Way more thrash. Hell O was like pretty much just a straightforward hardcore record as you can get. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like some, some of that stuff was like kind of its own little sub of like just thrash metal too. Like it definitely. Yeah, it's like almost they, they like, definitely had that like crossover thrash yeah. type of thing where it was and that's, in sort of like both worlds. And I think there. that's why like I really liked it because I love Same. artists that cross genres a lot. Um, I like yeah. that in every genre I listen to. I really hate cookie cutter stuff like and I think it's yeah. like sure. it's kind of um, a guilty sort of uh, pleasure like throughout my entire life as being kind of against the grain of pure pop culture. Um, why I love dance music, mm -hmm. you know, like the rave culture, I, why I love punk rock, like whatever it is, like I've always kind of been slightly against like the pure pop culture grain of things, like, you know, and that's kind of my upbringing. And it's funny cause like my sister was like the polar opposite of that. And she went much more like hardcore pop and in a way now, like, oh yeah. And what's funny about that though, is in a way she actually has found this sub genre of like unknown pop songs that fit that criteria of pop music, but are like in like into your sort of underground pop music. And I'm just like, this is kind of like a counterculture to pop in a way, even though it's like trying to fulfill the sounds of pop, which I thought was incredibly fascinating. I was like, send me more of this stuff. That's like unknown pop music. Yeah. Cause that's actually like really funny. Uh, but anyways, like I digress and I'm sorry to interrupt you, Bryce, but that's not why I was making that face. I was making that face because I imagined the idea of living the life of an underground musician, but then still playing like fucking pop. Yeah, no, it's super weird, dude. It's super weird because there like, is. What do you think hyper pop is? <laughs> Sorta. It's like the worst of both worlds, yeah, right? Yeah, I like... guess so, but it's like at the same time, it's just like there's a lot of songs that like, and this has existed for so long too. Because like, I don't know if you've ever listened to SiriusXM's um, Underground Garage. But it's like all the music. Yeah, it's no. all the music that uh, it was like B sides of like artists that were trying to make pop music from the '60s on to like the '70s, and like some of it's doo-woppy, some of it's some of it sounds like Rolling Stones. But it's songs that like never got yeah. big in that era, and it's like that's still happening today. But it's been happening forever. Like there's people who are trying to fit this like fucking like perception of what is popular music even today and that makes it an underground scene like it's so fucking mind-boggling but anyways like what i was trying to say is like for me i love when artists go like fuck like fuck a label you know fuck a square box like let's open that shit up and let's break bring influences in of different things like it's why i love playing in, in our band sonic libido that you can check out on spotify right. or facebook 
or you know Bandcamp. But it also is like something that I love in other songs too, like in my dance music stuff. If it like takes ele- it, like I don't like just like the classic tech house songs. I like the stuff that takes elements of like underground acid from like Detroit or like you know might bring in like a drum and bass type thing. You know, like I love when people cross over stuff because like music is so yeah. fluid and like to try and like make it like sound like something else like takes away the passion and the love for music in my opinion so you could tell when someone puts their heart and soul into something because like they will take their influences and create something so unique and not try and make it sound like something else and like guar does that and that's why you know even though they don't have any hit tracks for me it's like the live performance and like the fact that they did that and like they were just guar unapologetically is like why it's a four instead of a three for me so yeah i would say that pretty much sums up my thoughts too you just put it a lot better than i did Uh, true that was beautiful and impassioned and i love you i've been talking about music a lot lately man like (laughs) it's 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 on my mind baby (laughs) look i just i wanted to say there's still a three for me look what can i do to make this a four for you bryce i agree with everything (laughs) you're saying i just i listened through a, a a a fairly sizable portion of the catalog and like i said not one of the songs was i like this song is fucking amazing although i'm sure if i had seen them live i would be like that's one of the best shows i ever been to it's <laughs> dude for real that one looks so lit and that story that goose gave and the story that goose gave us earlier is just hilarious yeah. and i was like oh my god i could only imagine how fucking amazing that must have been let's we we gotta pick an artist for yeah. volume three i have one i have an idea I, so do I. Let me go first. Go ahead. Let me go first. All right. Um, okay. So we've done rap. We've done rock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have not done electronic music. And they're kind of some of the godfathers, if you will, of electronic music in a lot of different ways. And um, look, like, I, maybe, Greg, you might have listened to some of these guys already. But I'm hoping not because... They're a big influence for a lot of the music I listen to, and I've only heard maybe a very small portion of their stuff. And if we could dive into these guys at some point, if maybe not to the, for this next show, but at some point in the future, that would be really cool. If not, I'll just have to do it on my own. But have either of you guys <laughs> gone into the Chemical Brothers at all? I know a little of Chemical Brothers. I don't know a ton, so actually that would qualify. Bryce? Drew, who the fuck are you talking to? <laughs> You think I'm down? You think I'm down here on the weekends just jamming fucking long ass ringtones to myself? No, uh, no way. Under no circumstances. Chat. Uh, I know you guys love the house music and stuff. Bryce is my lead singer in my rock band, and he in no way has ever entertained the idea of listening to electronic music in his life. He's a, he's a straight edge kid, so he's never popped ecstasy and gone to a rave before anything like that. He is very much not experienced any of this kind of stuff. So, I mean, honestly, it would be interesting to dive into these guys who are a huge influence and, and are not like what you hear today at all. Like, they're, I mean, from the very few songs I have heard of Chemical Brothers and the remixes I've heard, like, they're, they take a lot of elements of like kind of what I, what I would think is like some gothic sort of elements, a lot of synth, a lot of electro. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, I think this would be one that would be an interesting way to sort of introduce Bryce I know electronic the, uh, music, potentially. I know their uh, track "Galvanize" with Q-Tip, and I love the fuck out of that one. 
I, I pretty much remember like the first three tracks off their greatest hits, and that's about it. And so Goose, Goose, it, it would be interesting to listen through their catalog as a whole. Greg, arguments on the table. Do you have an artist? Uh, the artist I had in mind uh, was probably more along the lines of like Lana Del Rey. I've mm. only listened to her latest album in full. And I know she has a pretty decent sized back catalog from like early 2010s. And she's very much right. highly influential in the indie pop sphere of things. She was there before Lord and before Billie Eilish with the kind of more whispery kind of vocals. Halsey. And she's changed. Yeah, she's changed her style up a little bit with each album from what I understand. And especially like her last uh, her last record didn't really click for me, but I guess mm-hmm. the one b- that preceded it called Norman fucking Rockwell was like considered her best record by like a majority of fans. And I never got around to listening to it. So I, I think like it would be interesting to see if Lana Del Rey is truly all the hype or if I'm just it ain't for me. Uh, Lana Del Rey is a good suggestion. I had a suggestion that I came across this week and realized I hadn't really ever listened to before and might be disqualified by one of you guys, Uh, but Billie Holiday. Surprisingly, I have not. Is that the guy who does that? Who's Billie Holiday again? Uh, Okay, so I assume that it's all right on your end. Yeah, Uh, 100%. Yeah. You're thinking you're thinking of Buddy Holly, which Buddy is Holly. close. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the song the song that starts where it sounds like he's jerking off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, B- uh, Billy Holiday is uh, an incredibly famous and influential uh, female jazz singer. Um, I thought it'd be cool to explore it just because it's such an antidote to Guar. <laughs> and uh, and such a, a huge monumental artist. She just had a movie that came out this year that I think was nominated for an Academy Award as well about her life. Um, and I think that would be sort of an interesting place to go. Yeah, and Goose is, Maybe, Goose is saying that uh, Billie Holiday is one of the most amazing African-American voices of all time, in her opinion. Yeah, I. That's why I think we should explore it, not only because it would be the first time that we'd be exploring a female voice on this show, uh, but also because it would be more uh, uh, black music representation on the show, although we've already had some of that, um, and because it would be so different from what we're doing with Guar. And so would uh, the Chemical Brothers, and I think we absolutely should do the Chemical Brothers. I'm not averse to doing uh, electronic music, even though I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> waiting for that if week. There were, right? If there was any uh, artist, though, that like I could pick like that I feel like would kind of click with all of us appropriately in electronic music. I think that would be a great way to kind of like segue you into it in a way where like we would all be able to experience it and stuff because of all the other influences there as well. And I don't know, like maybe we could uh, leave this one up to chat and see if we can get other people to contribute to. Um, How many people are in? Chat? We've got five people right now. Several of them are lurking. Goose has been the most engaging right now. I don't know if subliminal is still in okay. here. Uh, chat. So, between Billie Holiday, Lana Del Rey, Chemical Brothers, what do you guys think we should do uh, for next week's uh, podcast? What do you guys think? Um, Not sure if Scott's still in this chat. <laughs> yeah, if you guys want, right now would be the time. There's a little bit of a delay, so while I'm talking, they're probably starting to hear me ask the question. Um, but mm-hmm. hopefully we'll be able to see some people come in. And, and while we get some suggestions, 
Um, so is Billie Holiday like jazzy or? It's it's like it's uh, I'm I'm gonna try and find the year on on this so that you get a better context for this sort of era. You ever heard? Um, Why don't you do right? No, maybe if I heard it, but the song Jessica Rabbit sings in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Okay. Yes. Yes, I know what you're talking about. That sort of era of uh, jazz. Okay, so why don't we do Wikipedia's on each? And then well, while we're doing that, chat, again, if you guys want to make your vote, make it now. Um, now, I know you guys are lurking. You're vibing out. If you wouldn't mind just popping a quick comment in, Chemical Brothers, Lana Del Rey, Billie Holiday, which one do you guys want to see us do next? And uh, I got Chemical Brothers up now, so Bryce and Greg, if you want to hear a quick spiel of the quick summary paragraph of them. Uh, so the Chemical Brothers are an English electronic music duo formed by Tom Rollins and Ed Simmons in Manchester in 1989. They were pioneers along with Prodigy, Fatboy Slim, and other acts. And I would have suggested either those two, but I know a large catalog of those two. I just never really got a lot of Chemical Brothers. And bringing the big beat genre to the forefront of pop culture. They released their debut album, Exit Planet Dust, in 1995, and it eventually went to sell over a million copies worldwide. After attracting Virgin Records, the duo achieved more widespread success with their second album, Dig Your Own Hole, which topped the UK charts in the UK. They, had, uh, they have had number, six number one albums and 13 top 20 singles, including two number one hits. Their name uh, came, from, uh, came about in 1995 after they dropped their original name of the Dust Brothers, Due to the existence of another band with the same name, the Chemical Brothers refers to the duo's 1993 groundbreaking Chemical Beats, which epitomized their genre-defining sound. In the United States, the musical act have won six Grammy Awards, including Best Rock Instrumental Performance, Best Dance Recording, and Best Dance Electronic Album of the Year as recently as 2020. So that is the quick spiel on them. I like it doesn't give too much about them. Leaves a lot up for the mystery sure. of it, but... Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, Goose obviously is saying Chemical Brothers as her vote. She says Billy is, uh, Billy is great. And she said Lana is a no from me. <laughs> <laughs> I've also had a lot of mixed reviews about Lana Del Rey. I think that'll be interesting to do potentially in another week or two uh, because there are so many mixed reviews on it because we might have really mixed reviews about it as well, which I think would be really fun because yeah. we've, been, we've been picking a lot of artists that have like a very very large like amount of support on all fronts so far like guar is obviously mm -hmm. a little challenging because they've had so much controversy but like we're controversial people we like shit that's a little loud and different so obviously like that was easier for us but um yeah so i i am down for either of those if you guys want to put londo ray off for a little bit um yeah chem chemical brothers i know a, like I said, a little bit. And actually, I think I remember listening to the last record that they released. I don't know anything before that, though. Yeah, like, the older shit scheme. is like where the, the gold yeah. is, apparently. Like, that's and where Holiday, I all do the pioneering just, electronic stuff kind of pushed out. You know? And I do remember Billie Holiday just a little bit for, like, Strange Fruits, which is, like, the big song of hers. Um, sure. That I, I do remember going back to that a little bit. Um, 
So I'm, I'd be perfectly down with either or. So it sounds like Chemical Brothers does have one in the chat. Does have one in the chat. Although uh, I, I'm weighing how much exactly I think that should sway the decision. I mean, considering only uh, Goose has engaged and voted on that. And I know if, if, if Subliminal was in here right now to type something in, I'm sure he would also vote Chemical Brothers just because they're both... They're both my fans that are fans of electronic music, so obviously that's like the sway there. Correct. Yeah. Right. So. Right. Uh, I think uh, we should absolutely do Chemical Brothers. Okay. Scooby Booby also says Chemical Brothers, and that's one okay. of uh, Greg's friends. Okay. I think is Scooby Booby. Are you Greg's friend? Answer me. <laughs> How dare I got you? a heart. I got a heart. I, I think there's a little bit of a delay, so I think they're gonna hear. That question in a second here. Scoobity booty. Yeah, it's Twitch, dude. I know how Twitch works. Sorry, I wasn't logged in when you guys mentioned L LMAO. Identify yourself, Scoobity booty. Are you Greg's friend? Yes. He said yes. Why? Yes. Why I S. Hell yeah, dude. Thank you for joining in on the podcast. I appreciate it. I knew we had some viewers in here that were lurking and had not hit the follow button. If you are lurking right now, hit the follow button. You can engage in chat and we can talk with you as well. For future ones, we're obviously wrapping things up right now. Um, we have now two votes, though, for Chemical Brothers, Bryce. And this person is Greg's friend. Our friends are descending upon you, Bryce. What are you going to do? Yeah. Too bad Too bad you don't have any friends, Bryce. <laughs> I don't have any dogs in the race. I, I don't care what we listen to right now. I'm sure that when I'm actually listening to the Chemical Brothers, I will care very much what we are listening to. <laughs> but... Uh, but, uh, I am fine with us doing the chemical brothers, uh, purely because I think it will be really nice for what do you guys call yourselves? The electronic heads fans, fans of electronic music. Like, I guess, because it's, it's not considered technically, it's not technically considered EDM because EDM is like this, like culture of like the late two thousands to now. Um, that's dumb. What? It's all electronic dance music. It's electronic music made for dancing. It's a, it's all EDM. Oh, if, if if only you knew, Bryce. If only you knew. Because like, if you look at Apex <laughs> Twin, it's hard to dance to Apex Twin. But they he's considered more industrial music. Um, it's like it's, death. You cannot dance to Death Grips. Yeah, there's definitely bands and 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 producers that make electronic music that is not very dancey. And it's more like you're not going to compare David Guetta or whatever the fuck his name is to uh, to Death Grips or Death Grips to Avalanches and etc. So yeah, Avalanches is not super nasty either, but it's also sampled uh, music and like has a lot of electronic elements to it. So, anyways, genre genre divisions give me a fucking headache. Me too, for sure. Not even just in electronic music, like metal and rock do it a lot too. Yep. Oh, we're 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 not a black metal band. We're a porno gorecore band, bro. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Oh my we're god. We're not brutal technical death metal. We are technical uh, brutal death metal. Your friend Scooby Boobity <laughs> said Apex Twin is a proto vibe music. <laughs> this is what I mean. This is what I mean. I love this. I love this. Uh, what do, we what will do just you? make shit up. Yeah, for real though, it's great. I love it a lot. Like, I, like I love hearing like people going like vaporwave, bro. And I'm like, it's literally an aesthetic. Of ninety of Windows ninety five mixed with right. a little bit of some like extra saturation and colors. 
Cool. Like, okay. all right, just make a whole like thing out of something that simple. Anyways, I digress. So it looks like that seems to be the thing. And I'm actually really hyped because we could do Billie Holiday the week after. And sure. the reason why I'm hype on that is because I will be uh, traveling to New York at one point during that week um, mm-hmm. to see my dad. And so on top of like, you know, all the travel and everything like that, and how overwhelming that'll be. I think Billie Holiday is going to be more of a mellow vibe to mellow me out. So I do not suffer from road rage from psychopathic Connecticut drivers on my way into New York on the Connecticut 15, because it is literally the worst road in all of New England. I can't speak for the U.S. because I haven't driven enough in the rest of the U.S. Like, I know L.A. is a shit show, mm-hmm. um, but the Connecticut 15 can suck my dick is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you, Highway Connecticut 15. You dog shit two-lane highway with, like, the worst exits Drew. to gas stations I've ever experienced in my life. Drew, Drew you're going to do this same rant after you experience it, okay? And we're already going long, for the love of God. Thank you for joining us. On this wonderful adventure, we'll be back next week with Volume 3, The Chemical Brothers. Please subscribe to the show. Tell your friends. Share it around. Music is better with friends, as we always say on this show. Uh, but until then, uh, and for now as well, <laughs> your, your next favorite band is out there. Go and find them. <laughs>